you for joining us. This is the Fisheries Podcast, a weekly podcast that shares the stories of the amazing people and projects that make up fisheries science. If you haven't already, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at FisheriesPod. If you are the generous sort, you can be like Garrett, Ben, Jerry, Janet, Robin, and John, who all support the podcast on Patreon. Through Patreon, you are able to support the show with either a recurring or one-time donation, which helps us pay for various parts of the show. If that isn't your thing, you can purchase Fisheries Pod shirts, hoodies, stickers, and face masks on our Teespring store. So check it out. I don't have a guest lined up today. I've been mostly staying at home on parental leave since the since the beginning of November, and uh, for not working, it's it's surprising how busy I am or how little time I have. Um, my turn in the podcast rotation completely snuck up on me, and I guess here I am four days before the podcast is supposed to go out and I hadn't reached out to any guests yet. So uh, today I figured I'd, I'd try a solo episode. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I guess as you could guess by being on parental leave, I'd, uh, I do have a new child at home. We welcomed Wyatt James to our family at the end of September, September 26th. He's a healthy little boy, um, just growing like a weed already. Um, I've been able to spend most of the time since he's been born at home other than a few weeks back to to run some standard sampling stuff um we're largely adjusting and falling back into a routine or as close as we can to a routine with a toddler and a newborn um so and part of that routine is once the evening's starting to wind down i i'm usually the one that takes the toddler to bed and reads her stories while mom takes care of the infant and, and we have a pretty extensive library for our for our children, um, just things we'd picked up at library book sales. We were somehow lucked into a giant collection of golden books. But we have about 30 kids' books that have some sort of fishy theme that at least we have 30 of them that I could find or remember that we had. So I figured in today's episode I'd kind of go through some of those and, and give a little breakdown of the story, maybe um, try to identify if the accuracy of the species if they're not just generic fish and then kind of rate the story and uh give my opinions of the book i guess we'll see how it goes now uh, the first one i have and the one that i have the most issue with in the entire collection that we have is curious george goes fishing the one i have is a it's a 22 page card book or board book and it starts with with george seeing a man walking past uh, he has a string on a pole, and he follows him because he's curious about about what he's doing. And he eventually sees the man go out and sit at the end of a dock and, and catch a fish. And George thinks that looks fun, so he wants to do it too. And he already has a string, so all he needs is a pole and a hook. So he goes back to the man with the yellow hat's house, and he finds a mop to use as the pole. He ties a string to that, and he pulls a coat hook off the wall to use that as his fishing hook. Uh, but then he needs some bait, uh, and so he remembers that there are some cakes sitting on the counter. He grabs the cake, puts some cake on the hook, and runs back to the lake and drops in the lake, drops in the water. But a fish ultimately ends up eating the cake, but because he's using a coat hook, it doesn't really get hooked, and the fish swims away. So George pulls his hook up, sees that there's no more cake left. George is hungry, he eats the rest of the cake, but he still wants to catch a fish. So he tries to just grab one with his hand. He's laying on the dock reaching over and he falls into the water. He decides that's not any fun anymore. And he sees his friend walking by with a kite. And he says, that looks like fun. 
And then the book ends by basically saying, trying to catch a fish is fun, but flying a kite is even more fun. And that's where I have issue with it. I'm sure many of the listeners also have issues with it. I don't think many of us would say that flying a kite is, is more fun than fishing. But I'm sure there are some people out there that would say that. Now, I also we also have Curious George Flies a Kite in our book collection. And that one is a little bit longer of a book. It's 80 pages long. Uh, so a bit long for a kid's book. And I guess I hadn't read it in a while. To my surprise, the Curious George Goes Fishing is actually a story within the Curious George Flies a Kite book. So then that makes a little bit more sense why George already has a string and why they bring up kite fishing at the end. Um, there's a, it's kind of, there's this other story about finding rabbits, and then the fishing is in there, and then they use a kite to help find rabbits. I didn't do as deep a dive on that one after, because it's not as much about fish. But uh, at the end of the Curious George Flies a Kite, he doesn't come to the assumption that. Uh, Flying a kite is boring and fishing is more fun. So I still find issue with the whole idea. Sticking with the Curious George theme, we have Curious George at the Aquarium. Uh, this one's about 24 pages. And, and in this one, Curious George and the man in the yellow hat visit the aquarium. And while the man in the yellow hat is waiting in line to buy tickets, George gets curious, hops the fence when he hears splashing. And he begins to start seeing some of the animals in the aquarium. And it starts, he sees some beluga whales, sea lions, uh, some generic looking fish, more generic looking fish, jellyfish. Uh, they do have some piranhas, they identify piranhas that uh, are kind of a darker color with an orange belly, so I guess they're somewhat realistic looking. Um, some seahorses, an octopus that does have eight legs. And then Curious George sees some kids at a touch tank playing with the, uh, the little sea critters that you can touch. But right next to it is a, a tank that says, do not touch. So Curious George sticks his finger in there and a, a crab bites his finger. And then pretty much the rest of the book is taken up by uh, George falling into a penguin exhibit and uh, ultimately rescuing a penguin. So about half the book about Curious George going to an aquarium uh, talks about penguins. So uh, all three of the Curious George books that deal with fish that we have in our collection uh I wouldn't recommend if you're looking for a fish-centric book. When you tell people you have a fish book, fish children's book, uh, usually one of the titles that would come to mind is Dr. Seuss's One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. And, uh, I mean, this is a, a classic book. It's 63 pages long, written by Dr. Seuss. Um, but there's only really fish on 10 pages. Uh, the first nine pages, and then there's mention of fish uh, later on in the book being on a dish um there are no real discernible fish like you can't relate these fish back to a, a real fish so uh there's no real real breakdown here um i guess fish can be sad and mad and glad uh or in, and you can have one fish and two fish red fish and blue fish uh, but not not much realism in that one other children's classics are the Berenstain Bears, and we have a couple Berenstain Bears fishing-related books. The first one is just the Berenstain Bears Gone Fishing. Uh, this one's by Mike Berenstain. I believe that's the son of Stan and Jan. Uh, it's a 32-page 32 32 
beginning reading book. Um, so it's it's meant for kids that are reading on their own. And it's a story about Papa taking the cubs fishing. And uh, it starts with the kids kind of saying that Papa's such a great fisherman. But as they're all sitting there, Papa first catches a boot. And the cubs keep catching these little fish. And then Papa catches a tire while the kids are still catching these small fish. And ultimately, Papa hooks into a big fish. And it's so big that it pulls him into the lake. And when it pulls him into the lake, the splash causes his big fish to splash up onto the shore where the kids scoop it up into baskets and they take it home and eat it. Now, most of the fish in the book are kind of just generic-looking fish. Most of them are kind of a silvery blue color. Um, don't really look like anything that would be in a freshwater lake. On the cover of it, they do have some fish that are kind of uh, green with orange bellies that I guess could be a bluegill, but they look more like fire tiger crankbait. So uh, not much realism with the fish in there. And the next Berenstain Bears book kind of plays into some of the things that were uh, that Papa caught in the first one. This is the Berenstain Bears and the Coffin Catfish. This one's by Stan and Jan Berenstain. Uh, and it's it's a 24-page book. And again, it starts with the Papa taking cubs fishing for Jake the Giant Catfish. Papa has this mouse lure that he thinks is going to be the trick to, to catching the giant catfish. So they go to Lake Grizzly, and and uh, Papa casts his mouse lure off out. And again, he catches a boot. Uh, Papa's pretty good at catching boots. After he reels in his boot, he get he looks around and sees the shoreline littered with cans and bottles and other trash, and he just gets fed up and disgusted by the whole scene. And so he takes off, leaving uh, Brother Bear and Sister Bear sitting on the shoreline. And soon after Papa leaves, Jake the Giant Catfish surfaces and uh, starts coughing and, and telling the kids that the the lake's in trouble and it's not just trash on the shoreline that there's trash under the water and that they need to do something about it so the kids go and find uh, professor actual factual is his name and they tell him about this trouble that's going on at lake grizzly and professor says that lake grizzly is the bear country's reservoirs used for their water supply and it, it should be clean so they go up in a hot air balloon and they indeed observe people dumping trash or littering at the lake they then go under the surface and see that it's even worse under the surface and it's in some big need and they they come to the conclusion that it's going to take a lot to to clean it up not just an effort but in money uh, and then jake the giant catfish says well let me show you something he shows them a sunken ship full of treasure and they say oh that's just the ticket but um it's not so much the treasure that you saves the day it's the the raised up sunken ship that they turn to a museum and charge admission to keep the lake clean uh, so it's a it's a story about pollution keeping the lake clean uh, i guess it's got that good good message there um, one of the main characters the coffin catfish jake he does look like a catfish uh, but it's kind of more olive and a channel catfish it does have a forked tail but it looks like it has more of a spiny dorsal fin so uh, they came close but not as realistic as it could have been sticking with the cleanup theme in our fishy adventures we have the cleanup of codfish cove and this is a a shamu and his crew adventure by gary a lewis 
and it is a 26-page book. And it starts with Baby Shamu finding a trash bag or a sheet of plastic on the surface of the water, and he thinks it's a toy. Uh, but Big Shamu knows that it's not a toy, that it's really trash. And so Shamu begins to notice even more trash floating into Codfish Cove. Uh, and so he calls upon his friends to help. And his friends are a dolphin, a shark, sea lions, a walrus, otter, pelican, and a penguin. There's, I guess, other than the shark, he doesn't have any actual fish friends living in the water. They start picking up the trash. They spend all day and all night cleaning it up. And the next morning they notice that more trash has come in and they come to the realization that the trash is eventually going to float off into other areas and be a bigger problem there. They think they shouldn't push their problems off onto other people to deal with. So they they devote themselves to cleaning up the trash every morning. And like I said, um, this is a Shamu and his crew adventure. Went through his friends, but he doesn't have any fish friends. So it is kind of aquatic themed. Um, But if you're looking for fish centric books uh you'd probably skip it and it's probably an outdated book that you'd probably have to find used somewhere and it is put out by SeaWorld, which they have their own issues going on uh, next in my pile is baby goofy catches a fish and that is the title but uh it is a bright sunny day and the disney babies go out to play baby donald swings a bat and baby daisy pats a cat Baby Pluto peeks in a log, and Baby Mickey finds a frog. Baby Goofy catches a fish, and Baby Minnie gets a dish. Time for lunch? Fish today? Oh no, Goofy's fish jumps away. So the title is Baby Goofy Catches a Fish, but his fish ultimately gets away. And the fish does kind of look like a rainbow trout, so uh, so far in our books it is the most realistic looking fish, I suppose. Uh, I guess it's right up there with Jake the, the Coffin Catfish in the Berenstain Bears book. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a nice little short book, um, but it's really not that fish-centric. Now we'll get into a couple that are getting to be a little bit more about actual fish. Uh, so this one is The Three Little Bass and the Big Bad Gar by James Miller. Uh, it is a 29-page book. It's it's as you could guess by the title, uh, a play on the three little pigs. We have three little bass who live in Little Lake Gaston. You all know the three little pig story, um, but these three little bass, which are three different colors, green, orange, and yellow, they decide to build their houses out of mud floaties that are just laying on the bottom of the lake and rocks. So the first one builds out of mud. The gar pretty easily destroys that one. Uh, the next one builds out of inflatable tubes. The gar easily destroys those ones. And the third one uh, builds it out of rocks. Um, well, they're pretty big rocks for the size of the fish, but I suppose it's still more realistic than a pig building a house out of bricks. Um, the gar has trouble with that one, just like the wolf has trouble with a brick house. And so the the gar comes back a second day and sees that there's a chimney on this rock house and that he's going to swim down the chimney. Uh, but the last bass had already thought of that, and he had pulled a fisherman's hook into the chimney. The gar sees the fisherman's hook and the worm on it, and he bites onto that. And the fishermen reel him up and say, Yay, fish tacos tonight. And the last little bass 
lives happily ever after, but the guard had already eaten his other two. So unlike in the, the big bad wolf, three little pigs, uh, they don't just run to their the other pig's house. The, the gar actually eats the bass in that one. And so I guess uh, it negatively portrays gar. This probably isn't Solomon David's favorite book, uh, but anglers actually did catch the gar and eat it instead of just throw it on the bank. So it's got that going for it. Three little bass are three different colors and have, I guess, three different patterns on them too. So, um, But they're just kind of cartoonish fish, no real real features. The gar is gray with uh, stripes going down like a striped bass. So uh, as far as the realism of the fish, uh, not a passing grade for that one. Well, now we have a couple books by Leo Liani. Um, they kind of have kind of an Eric Carl-esque anim- illustrations to them. Uh, one is, the first one is called Fish is Fish. And it's a story about uh, a fish and a frog being friends. And every day the frog comes back and he tells the fish about these adventures of going up on land. And, and it has these uh, cute cute illustrations of what the fish imagines as as the frog's telling these stories. So he... The frog tells him about leaving the water and seeing birds. So the fish imagines fish with wings. And then he tells him about cows. So he imagines a fish shape but with cow spots and horns eating grass. Tells him about men, women, and children. So he imagines fish walking upright on legs. And then the fish ultimately decides that it wants to see these things in person. So the fish jumps out of the water flops around on land for a while and realizes that he can't really move that well in the grass and everything's a lot heavier without the water to support him and so he lays there gasping for air and the frog comes and pushes him back into the water and the fish comes to the realization that while he's back in the water this world was surely the most beautiful of all worlds and then he smiles back at the frog and says you were right fish is fish playing back to a thing the frog had told him earlier in the story so uh it again it doesn't really have any realism looking fish in it but it does have that one line that the aquatic world is the most beautiful of all the worlds the next by leo liani is called swimmy this one has is about a a school of fish and in this school of fish all of them are red except for little swimmy who's black and one day a, a big tuna fish comes along and tries to swallow up the school and breaks them all up and it sends swimmy off on his own he gets separated from the school so he swims away and he sees all these wonderful ocean creatures a jellyfish a lobster some other fish a forest of seaweeds an eel sea anemones and then he eventually makes his way back and finds his school of fish once he's back in his school he, he says he has an idea and he tells his his school of fish to swim in the shape of another fish. And so they all start swimming together in the shape of a fish, and Swimmy, being black and the others red, says, I'll be the eye, and he swims to where the eye of the fish would be. And they form this giant-looking fish, and they chase the big fish or the tuna away, and the school lives safe and sound after that. So It's a nice little story. There's no realistic-looking fish, but it does kind of... Again, to why small fish swim in schools to protect themselves from the bigger fish. Um, so I guess with some little further explaining uh, that of that's why the fish are doing that, uh, you could begin to teach some science to the kids. 
And I guess with Swimmy being black, you could also start talking about uh, eye spots on fish and how they're used to, to trick predators. All right. The next one brings another children's classic in Thomas the Tank Engine. So with Thomas goes fishing. And so Thomas is playing along the tracks and he goes over a bridge and sees some children fishing and says, that looks fun. But the engineer says, Thomas, you're a train. You can't go fishing. That would be too funny of a sight to see a train go fishing. So the next day they're they're putting along and they get close to the water and Thomas says, oh, my boiler feels funny. So they stop and the engineer looks and Thomas's boiler is empty. It has no water. So he starts bucketing water into the engine. Eventually they, they start running again, but Thomas says, oh, something's tickling in my boiler. So they stop again and the engineer opens it up and he sees some fish swimming around. And so they, they put back to where the kids are fishing and they decide that the kids can fish in the stream and the engineer can fish in Thomas's boiler and they'll all share the fish at the end of the day. So Thomas gets to go fishing in the sense that he has fish in his boiler and somehow the fish are alive in his boiler inside of a steam engine that's been operating. So some pretty tough fish can survive some pretty thermal extremes. They do kind of look like uh, cartoonized trout. Uh, they're just kind of green with an orange belly though, so not the most real looking, realistic looking fish. Uh, so, so far in, in the 10 or so books we've gone over, uh, not very realistic looking fish. There's some room for improvement in our children's illustrators. All right, the next book in my stack is A Fishing I Will Go. This one's by Lisa French, and it's about 20 pages. It's a rhymy book about a kid fishing for dinner. And every page starts with, As I cast, and I cast, and I cast, cast, cast. And then it talks about the fish that he caught. So the first one is, Hi, Mr. Fluke, that I caught off the pier. How can I keep you when you're too small, I hear? So it talks about either uh, self-regulated length limits, or uh, maybe he is too small to keep. Then he catches a sea robin, a bluefish, a crab, squid, eel, blackfish, striped bass, and tuna. And they are all pretty uh, realistic looking, other than the crab is red. All of them are pretty realistic looking. They do a pretty good job illustrating this one. The tuna is a little bit small. The whole thing fits on one plate. Uh, so that's a little bit unrealistic. But for the most part, it's uh, the fish part is pretty realistic. But it doesn't really have much of a sciencey feel to it. But if you're looking for realistic fish, there's an option. Of course, we have the, the children's classic, A Rainbow Fish, or The Rainbow Fish by Marcus, Marcus Feister. Uh, but it doesn't really have a realistic looking fish. It doesn't really have any scientific themes to it. So that's the extent of that conversation. Uh, we do have My River by Sherry Halper, and this is another kind of Eric Carlesque illustrated book. Um, basically every page has a different aquatic critter, uh, who says, this is my river, it's my river, or it's our river on some pages. And so it has just the, the various aquatic organisms, um, none of them super realistic. Yes, the fish isn't that realistic, but, uh, some of the others, you can get the the gist of what species they're going for. They have a turtle, frog, uh, spotted salamander, dragonfly, muskrat, water beetles, duck, 
crawdad. You can kind of get a, an idea for what species they're going for, maybe for everything other than the fish, eel, and crawdad. But it's it basically a, a story that says everything shares the river, we should take care of the river. And we have a few more, but they all kind of have the same sentiments of the ones we've gone over. If they have fish, they aren't really realistic looking. Um, most of them don't really have any scientific ecological theme going along with them. They're usually just about fishing. Maybe that's just the ones that I have. and um, don't really have much of a story to it. And if they are about fishing, like kids going fishing or papa taking fishing, most of the time they don't really catch fish. They catch a boot or uh, in the Winnie the Pooh, a real fishy story. Piglet decides to go swimming, and Pooh ends up catching Piglet. And Pooh's upset because he wants to catch a fish, but Piglet says, Oh, I have a fish in my pants. So he ends up catching a fish through Piglet. So uh, there, there's stuff like that. Like if they go fishing, they don't usually catch fish. Um, so that's kind of discouraging that. A discouraging trend in these fishing book children's fishing books is that they don't usually catch fish. And they aren't about realistic fish, and they don't really teach any ecological principle. So I guess there there's some room for improvement in the children's books. And uh, there's two that I've had my eye on, and the grandparents haven't bought them for us yet. Hint, hint, mom and dad, here's some Christmas ideas. Uh, one being Trout, Trout, Trout by April Poli Sire. I guess I've probably butchered the last name, but it's a... It's another rhymy chanty book, and on each of the page it has three or four or five actual fish with pretty pretty good illustrations of them. I guess uh, I watched a YouTube reading of this book since I don't have it, and it it does have uh, trout, but it also has like shovel nose sturgeon, paddlefish, gar. It has some chubs in it, carp. It just had a, a pretty wide variety of fish, not just your typical. Um, popular sport fish but also some of the smaller ones i think uh uh yazoo darter um just some just some smaller some of those smaller less less widely known fish including that one Uh, so that would be a good one to to teach that it's not just all bass and bluegill and walleye and another one that we have on our daughter's christmas list is rory the red side dace Um, this one's by ashley watt and it is a Rory is a little red-side dace who lives in a cool freshwater stream. He loves his home very much, but one day humans start building houses on the banks of the stream. The water is soon filled with garbage and debris, forcing Rory and his family to move upstream. After some time, Rory decides to visit his old home. What will he find there? Is it possible for the red-side dace to reclaim their original home? So I guess it's a story about uh, urban development and habitat degradation uh, affecting the red side dace that one's on my list um it does look pretty good i believe i remember seeing that the the author is a actual scientist who was fed up with kind of the the theme of stories that we went over at the beginning of this episode and so uh, she wrote her own story so i guess if you're looking for some fishy books hopefully i didn't scare you away from uh, most of the ones i read um if you have some other suggestions other than Trout, Trout, Trout and Rory the Red Side Dace, uh, feel free to comment those 
on some of our social media posts. Or if you have other other suggestions for fishy or aquatic themed book, feel free to reach out with those suggestions. Uh, that's all for today's episode. Uh, we will be back with regular guest interviews uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, again, we are looking for one to two new co-hosts. So uh, if you or if you know somebody that's interested in doing that, feel free to reach out. Um, it, it's nothing, nothing crazy. If you know how to use Zoom, you pretty much know how uh, we do our podcast. Um, we will provide all the training, and we can even provide a microphone if you need that. Um, so if that's something that interests you, if you want to be a host for a, a podcast, um, we do interview. You would be responsible for interviews once a month. Um, so just if that interests you, or if you'd just like to get a hold of us with book suggestions, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Fisheries Pod or old fashioned email feedback at thefisheriespodcast dot com. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can download past, present, and future episodes on your favorite listening app, or stream it from Spotify or thefisheriespodcast.com. And don't forget, you can help support the podcast with a monthly contribution through Patreon or by rocking some awesome Fisheries Podcast logo shirts and hoodies available on Teespring. I am Nick Kramer, and thank you for listening to the Fisheries Podcast, and remember to read to your children.